2: Hey there is a transphobic listeners this is your producer ashley lauren rogers here and i want to first off thank you so much for all the support that you've been giving us and thank you so much for anyone who's reached out to us uh we had a a wonderful person from germany reach out to me recently and just say how much they really uh, appreciate the podcast and especially uh the random nods that we gave to our german fans <laughs> which are small in number but increasing um but I wanted to take a moment before we get into this. This this is just a discussion very similar to the way I might conduct a mini-episode, uh, just to give everybody a little bit of an understanding of where I'm coming from and where we're moving. Uh, and again, this is just for the summer. We're going to take a break from the media criticism and focus more on pieces that are coming out now. Specifically, I'm focusing on the Trans Theater Fest, but if there is any other theater uh, movies, any other media that you are seeing that involves trans people, we want to know about it. Maybe we'll be able to give a shout out to it. I'd love to be able to do that. That said, uh, this is more conversational in tone. Uh, I brought together the uh, main star of the show that I wrote, Oddity, and my director for Oddity, uh, Ariel and Kelsey, who are both contributors uh, you've heard them in the past specifically because not just because they were around uh, but also to promote Oddity a little bit but, but even then, like I brought them in because I've worked with them in the past and I, I wanted their opinion on this thing that was weighing on my soul with this podcast the idea of this shit fatigue Uh, The idea of consuming media that is either shitty or (laughs) has a shit message over and over and over again, and just hearing some of the methods that they use to kind of get through that. uh, Because as folks who are not the quote unquote standard, which we'll talk about that uh, in the podcast, but as folks who are not part of the standard. what hap like how do we get through that what is the feeling let's let's go into that let's talk about that so that when we focus on these pieces that i'm going to be interviewing a lot of folks for uh, during the trans theater fest we understand where we're coming from and why creating our own works and why hearing works about for and surrounded by trans individuals of various races and ethnic backgrounds, uh, why that is so important to hear, and how liberating it is. So cool. So I'm not going to waste your time anymore. Uh, Definitely come see Oddity. I'll put a link in the description, but that's happening in July. Uh, And then once I interview everybody else, you'll hear all about their shows as well. Uh, But yeah, so here's Ariel, Kelsey, and myself.
1: So, my name is Ariel, and my pronouns are they, them, and theirs.
0: I'm Kelsey, and I use he, him pronouns.
2: So, hey, everyone listening. Uh, This is Ashley, the producer, editor of the podcast, and I wanted to bring together um, a couple of my contributors uh, to talk a little bit about something that I've been feeling and I'm curious and I realize that I'm not asking all of my contributors this question but just I'm just curious. Uh, I'm being joined today by Kelsey and Ariel and I I want to talk about What I'm calling shit media
1: fatigue. Mm, Good. Yeah.
2: I'm sure there are other terms for it. I'm sure there are better terms. I'm sure somebody's coined something that everybody's using right now. But to define what I'm talking about, shit media fatigue is essentially the consumption of a lot of media that is either uh, shitty in nature, whether it's poorly made, or whether the message is absolutely poor and you've seen it over and over again. Uh, so, for me, this the reason I'm bringing this up is because I had such a hard time editing these South Park episodes, and I loved them. I love South Park, but man, it was just brutal, bringing myself to sit down and edit them. And I'm curious uh, what your thoughts, having gone through a lot of these uh, reviews now, wh- how have you felt? How has it been on you consuming all of this type of media? Uh, Kelsey, do you want to start?
0: Uh, sure. Um, I mean, one of the big things for me, and and this really harkens back to the reason that you do the podcast in the first place, is this idea of we say, oh, well, I don't really like that because it's kind of transphobic. It's kind of problematic. And people go, well, you haven't watched it, so how do you know? And it's mm. it's that that idea of consuming art. You know, there's a lot of reasons to do it. But one of the reasons is as an escape, as um, a way to relax, as a way to use your mind creatively. I mean, I'm one of those people, and I think everyone who is <laughs> sitting on this couch with me would are the same, is mm. – I I really love to engage, you know, creatively with a piece. So, you know, you ask questions sort of as you're watching about the world or the characters and, you know, you like to fill in the blanks. And if it's a really well done piece of media, there's still stuff like that to do. But then, of course, if it's less well done or presents a certain problem for you, then you're sort of doing that game of, well, how much legwork do I want to do like? I could I could invent a scenario in which this thing that I think is a problem maybe makes sense for a character or something like that and and then all but at a certain point that becomes more work and less sort of a joyful playful experience and I'm like well I just spent all day at my job doing work why do I want to go do all this work in my in my media so that can be like mm. the mental fatigue of that I find
1: yeah there's definitely a lot of mental I, I find that when I am like relaxing, watching something that is new media that I haven't seen before does not necessarily feel relaxing to me because just as Kelsey is saying, I'm always wanting to like look at it critically and and think about it and deconstruct it. And whereas what I do when I relax, frankly, is I'll, I'll watch media that I've seen before, just because there's less like I've already done all that work, so there's less like mental uh, capacity that that takes. Um, but I think. Something that I'm really interested in, your initial definition, Ashley, of shit media, um, you talked about media that is poorly executed and or contains like problematic themes. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's an important distinction, because if you look at something like South Park, South Park does... South Park very well like what they are trying to do they execute that very well it's just that what they're trying to do is often offensive and problematic so like so you know I would say that the execution of South Park is good it's just that a lot of the actual content is what's fucked up and bad um and then I think in terms of this podcast specifically and my process with it watching the media that we discuss on this podcast when I'm watching it, I know that I'm going to have the opportunity to process it, and I know that I'm going to have the opportunity to sit down with other trans people, talk about it, get my feelings out, express my my viewpoints on it, So, so even though a lot of the things that we've been watching do have a lot of problematic elements and are and can be, you know, triggering and traumatizing in different ways. I appreciate the fact that I know I'll be able to discuss it with people. Um, I think that what is more damaging is when I don't know that I'll have that opportunity, or, frankly, when I'm rambling here. But like when I go to sit down and watch South Park. I know going in that there's probably going to be some stuff that is, like, not so great. So I'm sort of prepared for it. I think that what is a harder experience is when I go to sit down to watch something that I'm expecting to not be full of problems, and then it still is. Like, I think there's a lot of media that targets itself toward the LGBT community that is still super transphobic. And it's like, actually, this isn't an LGBT show. This is like a white gay man show. And it's saying it's LGBT, but then there's still a lot of, like, jokes at the expense of trans people. So that's where that's where it's a little bit more difficult for me. Mm.
2: I wonder if you can uh, go a little bit further. You don't necessarily have to state any specific media, but are there any like moments in certain media that you've had either on this show or just in your your time existing that you've seen that you can point to so that people know like what are these types of shows? That, yeah, what are they seeing?
1: One that initially comes to mind is the L-word which a lot of people have a love-hate relationship with that show. I have a love-hate relationship with it. There are a lot of things that I love about The L Word, but their handling of trans characters is pretty poor. Um, There's one trans character who's like a main character on the show named Max, and they just sort of take like every harmful and negative trans trope and place it all onto this one character Um, in a way that's not necessarily critical. It's like this is what this person goes through. And this is what trans people go through. Um, the character of Max is played by a cisgender woman. Um, he like just uh, you know, he gets pregnant at one point and then it's this like whole thing about how he's a pregnant man. And isn't that so weird? And Oh my God. And he's so, he has like such like a harmful, he's like, Oh, looking in the mirror and he's pregnant and he's like having all this identity conflict. And it's just like, this is, you're just, you're just telling the story to create the drama of it. It's not actually useful or interesting. Um, so yeah, that that's a that's an example I would say. Mm.
2: I'm curious if there are ways that you, like either of you, find ways to cope with, or just sort of like, how do you get yourself out of that media fatigue, like that that feeling of uh, I don't want to say dread, but like just just if you become fatigued. By a certain piece of media, like what? What do you do? Like, is there anything that you?
0: Well, if it's, um, I mean, there's a lot, a lot of media that you know you sort of you love it despite its problems. Oh. And so for me, I mean, full confession, I'm a huge Marvel person. Mm. Uh, I love the movies. I love most of the Netflix shows. Um, and when when I struggle with things there, I will absolutely turn to fanfic, Tumblr, you know, people who, who want to take, you know, there's, there's a lot of sort of like, you know, gay keep away going on in, in comics in general. And so, you know, you go and you find it somewhere else and you bring that to the experience. And I think that's true of even, that's like the obvious example, but I think even of, you know, more, phobic pieces or things like that when i encounter it especially if there's still an element of a story that i enjoy that i'll Mm. I'll really i i like to to bring you know i'll sit down with friends and we'll be like well well maybe you know maybe this character has this past and we'll just add it on and and enjoy it Mm. that way so i find that you know in that sort of way that Nowadays, people really make stories their own and make characters their own can be very empowering despite problems.
1: Yeah, that's huge for me. Anybody who knows me knows that I'm a huge fan of The Little Mermaid. And The Little Mermaid, you know, it has a lot of problems in it. Like it's if you look at it, it's not a very... On the surface, it's not a very feminist film. Like, she literally has to give up her voice for a man. She has to change herself to be with a man. She, you know, doesn't speak at all, and she is expected... Like, this guy just falls in love with her without actually knowing who she is because she cannot speak. Like, there's all of these problems with it. But exactly as Kelsey is saying, I have found a way to experience love for that movie and for that film by writing a different narrative onto it and by finding, like going deeper into the story than just what it appears on the surface and like you know for me the little mermaid can be viewed as a huge trans allegory and that's what i that's like when i watch it when i listen to the music that's what i'm picturing i'm not picturing the like surface level story that is being told by walt disney and those people i'm picturing like the deeper allegory and the metaphors and what it means so yeah finding a way to even rewrite the stories reclaim the stories um can be really powerful. And then I also think a point that Kelsey just brought up that I strongly agree with is like, it is possible to both appreciate media and recognize the problems of it. It doesn't have to be either I absolutely love it and it's perfect, or it's terrible and it's the worst thing ever. And there maybe are some examples that are those extremes, but I think most most media is like more complicated than that. There are things, like the L word, I just talked about how the L word has shitty trans representation. I also love the L word. There are things about the L word that I really appreciate and I watch it a lot and I can quote it and I'm really into it. And I recognize that the trans representation is pretty shitty and there are other problems with it. So I think, I do think it's possible to find the good in media and also recognize that there are problems with it.
0: But do you find that, I mean, I, I know a lot of people who do, you know, criticism as well as you know, having doing it here. And one of the things I notice a lot is as we offer these criticisms, these nuanced criticisms, things like, I love this, but. Mm-hmm. And the reaction that I, I see all over all of the internet and that I get from people is this sort of like, why can't you just enjoy something? Like, right. almost being accused of being thoughtless and not having Done exactly the legwork that we were just talking about,
1: right? So you mean you you, you mean people accusing you slash us of you being only focused
0: criti- on this one trans problem in right. this otherwise great show, and you're like, I just said right. that I like this other part of it, right? Um,
1: I actually think I mean, I, and I know what you mean because I get I hear that criticism all the time. I just think that in some ways, the fact that you're focusing on these things and that you're being critical of it is a sign of more respect for the work. Like, it would be easy for me to just be like, fuck the L word, I'm never going to watch it, it's a terrible show. But the fact that I'm like, let's talk about this, let's talk about this issue, let's talk about how it can be fixed, let's talk about why it's problematic, to me, I think, shows that I care more. I care enough to talk about it and to think about it and to engage with it. And also, that's like point one. And then point two to what you said, like, I think it's easy for people to... Like, of course, we're going to focus on the trans representation in this media because that is our experience. And it's it's easy for a cis person to be like, I don't know why that's all you think about and that's all you care about. And it's like, well, it's actually not all I think about, but it's important to me and therefore I think about it. Right. It's kind of like when, um this is maybe a tangent, but I think it relates, when... You know, I'm a a writer myself and I have written a web series and some other content and pretty much everything that I write has some aspect of queer slash trans something. And it's not always like the sole focus of the piece that I do, but there are always queer characters, trans characters. It's always like something. And people have said to me like, oh, well, don't you like, you don't really want to pigeonhole yourself into only writing about that experience. Like, don't you want to like think about other, you know, like, why is that all you write? And it's just like, well, that's all I write because that's a, my experience, but B, like, you wouldn't say, like, oh, well, why do you only write heterosexual cisgender characters? Don't you want to broaden your horizons? Like, no, I'm just I'm just writing people, and these people happen to be. so it's almost
0: like trans and queer people exist in the real world. And that and they're human be
1: beings. And, and <laughs> in that, yeah. stories.
2: Right. Blasphemy. Yeah.
0: Media in general and sort of always been sort of white and cis and het, and this idea that, like, if you put, something outside of that in it it suddenly has to be a story about that so you're sort of in that in that same way where well we can't we can't put just put a trans character we can't just put you know a queer character in something without it being their story so you can only have stories where where being trans is the whole point and then people like us who would like to just see ourselves in everyday stories in stories that are not just about that particular struggle because we have complete lives.
1: Right.
0: We say, Oh, well, you know, it's, we're not actually out there. And everyone goes, Oh, everything's trans now. And you're just like, no, it's yeah, not at enough. all.
2: Right, well, yeah.
0: You've just heard the term. That's the only yeah. thing that's changed.
2: It's like now you're familiar with it. Now and it then, exists. Yeah.
0: And that's so why we I'm get tired up. of hmm. crappy media because right. we don't have a lot of good media.
2: Hmm.
1: And it is a delicate balance because I think if you're going to write trans characters into media, you know I'm sure that transphobia will come up. Like it, it's a it's a it is a part of a person's complete story. So like mm-hmm. the fact that they're trans probably will come up in some way, but it doesn't need to be the whole focus of the thing. It doesn't have to be like that's why I'm making this is to tell a coming out story. You know. So I think it's like it just we just want it to be believable, realistic, and like We want, we want this, we want the trans characters that we see to think about their transness as much as real people think about their transness, which, it is varied, and you know, I think that like, when a person, like, you know, when I was writing, for anybody who has seen Facades or knows Facades, the web series that I wrote, in some ways that is kind of, I mean, the the focus of it is about the character who's a non-binary trans feminine person. It's kind of about their identity and about their their transness and their struggling with gender. And when I was writing it was also when I was going through that myself and when I was coming out. So like at that time, that was all that I was thinking about. And now that I've sort of like, progressed, I've like evolved to my next Pokemon evolution, <laughs> whatever that means. Um, I I'm, think I'm ready to start writing things that are a little bit more nuanced. But yeah, I, I think it's like, I think when cis people write trans characters, that's where it gets really complicated because they think that that's all that is, that there is to transness is like the struggle of coming out and like the struggle of being trans and how hard and sad it is. Um, yeah.
2: Yeah. I wonder if there's, like... Because uh, as much as... I, I wonder if there's a... Not a commonality, but, like, a, a, a shared feeling that we have as trans individuals trying to understand why that's the only aspect that cis people want to focus on. Because... And where, where I'm going with this is the idea that, like, I have no idea why you think that's the most interesting part of my life. Right. And I can't look past that... Whereas they can't look past the, like, ah, oh, transitioning, ah, oh, body stuff. Like, I right. like I I don't know. Yeah. This well, is a weird episode. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's good. I mean, we're
1: just, you know, it's good. These are important questions. I think, uh, yeah, why is it? There's a few things yeah. that come to mind. I think... Part of it is, like, the aspect of trauma porn mm-hmm. and the idea that people, there's, like, this sort of ugly side of humanity where, like, we, we in a sick way, enjoy, like, the suffering of, like, I don't know, I think that for some bizarre and twisted reason, it's, like, interesting and emotional for cis people to, like, feel feelings about how trans people must feel or something. Like, there's some, like, there's some kind of, like, weird almost masturbatory enjoyment of like the struggles that other people face that like i don't I don't know i don't know well
0: and i think too i mean we're still in such this this place where considering exploration considering it is is very taboo the idea is we're still pressed up against this no like normal is het and cysts right. and all this stuff and i mean Speaking as someone who's sort of going through a lot of this right now, I consider myself more open-minded than most, and I was still resistant to the idea of being trans for years. Mm-hmm. So I was pushed, you know, by the fact that I am, and then it was never going to go away. Um, but if you're if you're not trans that idea is equally terrifying but there's nothing pushing you to think about it so Mm. I think that you can sort of like look at it from a distance and go oh that's weird without having to engage in the idea of considering it realistically because as soon as you start saying but what is it actually you have to start feeling that if you're a creator if you're a writer you put yourself into every person and, and you know and like you know you work or actually you work on writing the other and that sort of idea of you know thinking that it is possible to understand other people's experience to a certain extent and I always feel like that's sort of a barrier to to realistically creating queer characters specifically because it requires you to question your own
1: right identity absolutely. and you
0: can and that's fine I mean I always say to people all the time I'm like that's cool like every cis straight person should also consider them. Like, what what is your gender to you? Right. That's still an important question for you. You don't have to, you know, suddenly decide you're a different gender than you thought you were or whatever. You, it means something different to everyone. But I do think that that's, society has made that a frightening prospect for all
1: yeah. of us. I love that. I think there's two things that it reminds me of. One is, speaking of media that's slightly problematic, but you can find ways to reclaim. Um, one of my one of my favorite stories is the story of Tiresias, the like ancient Greek philosopher. And Tiresias is um, present in a lot of, you know, ancient Greek plays and he's like super wise and knows everything and knows the future and all this stuff. And one of the reasons that he's so wise is that and again, this is according to the legend, he has lived quote, both as a man and as a woman. So there's a story about how Tiresias is wandering through the woods, and he witnesses two snakes copulating, which apparently is, like, not a good thing. So he witnesses two snakes copulating. The gods come down. They smite him, and their punishment is to turn him into a woman because, you know, that's that's good. Um,
2: Sorry, so... The fact that he watched snakes copulating is the bad thing. Yeah, or the snakes f- copulating, they no, should not be No, the doing fact that.
1: that he saw it, the oh, fact okay. that he watched it, that he witnessed it, um, is a bad thing. So his punishment is to get turned into a woman. Which hmm. there's that for a thing. Um, so he has to turn. He gets turned into a woman for I think a hundred years, and then he gets turned back into a man. And then Zeus asks him, like, okay, you've experienced life as both a woman and as a man which sex is the wiser sex, I think, or something. And and Tiresias says women are the wiser sex, which, again, like, there's something interesting about that. But the point is, Tiresias is said to be so wise because he's had to deal with his gender and think about it, and he's lived as both a man and a woman. And again, it's kind of a problematic story, but also there is something that I like about it, this idea that, like, exactly like Kelsey's saying, having to think critically about your own gender and what it means and how you navigate the world and how other people navigate the world with you does there's something there that makes you in, you you just are critically aware of a certain aspect of humanity that a lot of people don't even think about so i agree that it's that it's wise and good for all people cis included to like really think about their gender and think about their assumptions and why they're treated a certain way and why they navigate the world a certain way even if it doesn't it doesn't have to mean that they're trans it just means that it's like important to think about for everyone there's
2: a there's a thing that I say when I talk to cis folk about transitioning specifically and it is very I even then like I I recognize that it's kind of problematic but it's an easy way to get people to kind of understand that it's different for all of us in that I feel like everyone is constantly transitioning. It's just with trans folk, it is more about finding whether there is like a hormone replacement, whether there is some form of uh, physical thing, or whether it's just a style thing, whether it's just a pronoun thing. But I really feel like everyone is in some way transitioning throughout their life. Mm And, again, I recognize that that can be very problematic, and I don't want to pull the story away from trans and non-binary folk, but it is a way to sort of get cis folk to kind of open their mind to understand that it's like things are about changing and it's not about like oh i'm changing for no reason it's because i'm changing because i'm understanding myself
1: right no that's right i think that's i think that's really real
0: well there's definitely a general taboo on sort of like self exploration after you're done being a teenager Mm -hmm. just like uh, my wife always complains about this she likes to change her hairstyle she's always changing it and she's like people think i'm crazy (laughs) <laughs> They're like, how could you be different? Right. You're a grown up. That's a thing that teenagers do because they don't know what they want yet. And then you hit your 20s mm. and you're an adult and you know what everything you want out of life and who you want to be and what you look like. Mm. And she's like, that's insane. Nobody's like that. Mm. We all evolve and change. Right. And so it, it's it's all that kind of idea of this lack of self-reflection that I guess is encouraged by society. Mm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that the more you've sort of chosen or been required to self-reflect, the more you sort of put that back out into the world, which kind of sort of brings us back to the topic of this, which is this idea mm. of we we engage with media as, as creators, but also as, as I think people who are spend a lot of their time considering their own identity and their own place, and right. um, and we can't we we can't just sort of mindlessly consume. It's it's like Ariel was right. saying. It's like you have to watch something you've seen already right. in yeah. order to turn your brain off because you can't just sort of and and I know people who just like love sitcoms and sort of mindless TV because it does the same thing for them. Mm. Or for me, like I can't like my brain's like demands that I give it hundred ten percent. Yeah. Even mm. if it's not worth it, so it's like that kind of you know? So when, when you're constantly doing that, you're always keyed in and you're always feeling the microaggressions and you're catching the problematic things and, Mm. and all the time.
1: Right. Because it's, you have, we have to do it to survive sort of, or to like, there's just something inherent in for people who just, who just never have to think about or question at all, their gender or their race or their anything. Um, They don't understand the experience of why that's necessary, I think. So, like, you know, watching. Yeah. Hmm. Like, watching the L word and being critical of the character of Max is not, like, inherent to my survival, but walking down the street and thinking about how I'm presenting in any given area, any given time of day, any given. You know whether i'm in new york city versus whether i'm in like the deep south is necessary to my survival and so i'm constantly thinking in this way that i don't think as many cis people specifically cis men are of like i can't wear this but i should wear this but i can't wear that and i have to walk this way and i shouldn't all these things that i'm just are constantly going through my mind and thinking about like where I am and what state I'm in and what, you know, all these things that's like, I have to be aware of that for my own safety. And I think that that be, that constant awareness translates to when I'm viewing media, I'm like, I just, I'm, my body is trained to being so like consistently aware of like that kind of thing and critically thinking about that.
0: Definitely. Mm. I have this thing where, um, with TV shows where we're like, Okay, Quantum Leap, right? (laughs)
1: Mm. I (laughs) I was
0: never able to watch Quantum Leap. It's always the example I go to. There's lots of other shows where this is a thing, but because the entire premise of Quantum Leap is he has no idea who he's supposed to be, right? Mm. So He's in this body. He has to find a mirror to even know what he looks like, and then he has to sort of figure out how to behave as this person that he's not, and he doesn't know who the other people are, and the level of anxiety that I experience... Mm. With that premise Mm. is just it's it's crazy. Like I can't I can't watch that show. Mm. My wife like loves it. She's like you should watch it someday and explore that. And I was like yeah okay. But I think like that's kind of speaks to to what you're doing. It's like there's something in that that reminds me of the worst experiences of you know being assigned female and spending all this time trying to pretend that i am this person that i am not and um and that's even with like media i mean there's lots of problematic things about quantum leap too but um (laughs) uh so you know but like so that kind of thing where it's 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 not we're so intellectual and we like to analyze but also there's that sort of visceral part of it that is Hitting you right where you live in your, in your day-to-day experiences that is not true for everyone. And so mm-hmm. when you go like, I just can't handle that, you know, the eight times that this character gets misgendered on a show or whatever, and everyone's like, it's not a big deal, but it, it it's more than just what's happening on the screen in that moment.
2: Right, right, right. And to your earlier point, Ariel, about the idea of like the the safety and going out and understanding your environment, I think part of the reason why we take this, for for lack of a better term, we take this so seriously in the the media criticism and very much on your point of the, like, well, maybe it's not uh, vital to my survival that I'm analyzing the L word. At the same time, the analysis of it And the hope that for future media, it will change absolutely is because how people take in media, how people read characters, if the only character, uh, if the only person they've ever seen as a trans person is, say, this max character on the L word, and it's portrayed in a, like, incorrect light
1: mm-hmm.
2: it will affect their opinion when they meet someone in real life who is trans right or who yeah. they right own. because media yeah.
1: shapes culture and mm-hmm. art shapes culture yeah that's 100% yeah. correct so mm-hmm. it actually it, in in a way it is and then by the way they're they're remaking the l word so I saw that. maybe yes. yeah. hopefully it'll be a little bit better but <laughs> yeah right no but that's exactly right that like mm-hmm. media shapes culture and media shapes perceptions of mm-hmm. things so it's important mm-hmm. to get it right
2: so I know we're I know it's a quick episode, but we've got to start wrapping up because uh so one of the things that we're all working on and the reason part of the reason why uh, I invited Ariel and Kelsey is because, like I mentioned uh, in the last episode. We're going to be devoting the entire next couple of months to the Trans Theater Fest at The Brick in Brooklyn, uh, and we are all working on the same project for that, sh- Yay! For that festival.
1: Yay! Yes yeah, we are. So
2: we'll talk a little bit more uh, in, in a later episode about Oddity, which is a play that I wrote, Ariel is directing, and Kelsey is starring in, uh, but... I, I want to know, as a final note, it doesn't have to have anything to do with transness. There don't have to be trans characters at all. Tell us some media that you're consuming that you're interested in right now.
1: Oh, oh! can I go first? Yes. Just because yes, I'm so go. excited about the Great <laughs> British Bake Show. It is <laughs> oh, so yes. good. I watch it with my roommates. It's just like, so it's a reality competition show about British baking people. They're like bakers, you know, and they, each episode they have to make three things and there's like pastry week and they, you know, they make all these strange British beautiful things and then each week one of them gets eliminated and it's just great because first of all, all of the things that they make look so mouthwateringly delicious and British reality TV is so different from American reality TV because the, the focus is actually on the baking like the focus is on the skill of the people you know like what is that about where we're you know, like the the drama of the characters and like they don't get into fights they don't yell at each other they're all like super supportive of each other and they help each other and they like applaud when the other like when the one wins and it's just like a really lovely lovely show so there's a lot of things I'm watching right now but that's the one that popped out to me
0: that is an amazing show mm-hmm. I love that <laughs> show so much and I've learned all things about pastry and stuff. Yes. I love to cook. I'm a terrible baker because mm. I don't like recipes and timing and having, like, I'm like the guy who won't ask for directions. Like, that, uh. <laughs> stereotype myself for a minute. So I get to live vicariously through other people's baking. That's a great
1: show. Yeah, it's so good. I'm, it's like, so jealous good.
0: you took that. I have to think of something else. <laughs>
1: that, was, that was the one
0: you were going to go for, too, right? No, it wasn't. <laughs> I didn't even think of it. No, it's fair. Uh. Oh, what am, I, what am I doing right now? i mean i'm really excited for wonder woman but it hasn't come out yet so i can't say for sure i am cautiously optimistic about wonder woman and i i mean problematic but still good i actually really liked man of steel yeah Uh, i i did i i did it it definitely has its problems but overall i really enjoyed it and i love henry cavill and then of course batman superman was just the worst thing ever (laughs) it was so bad Mm. um still
2: haven't seen it I just, oh man Martha, you know what just say that name yeah,
0: it's great <laughs> it's worth it it's worth seeing just for like clark and lois honestly no. i actually really enjoyed them but th- that's like two scenes so um I mean, but well, yeah Andy no Adams, so i'm excited so. for wonder woman i i hope mm. fingers crossed
2: mm. that it is good I mean it's so far the best reviewed on yes. Rotten Tomatoes. Like it's the only one that has over a fifty. Like it's mm-hmm. I think it's at like an eighty six mm-hmm. on Rotten Tomatoes right now. So That's I mean that's good. Cool. That's good. Um, um it, it would be hilarious if the like considering how frickin' long we've waited for a female led superhero movie, uh to come out if that's the best one in their canon. If that's their highest critical rating. Yeah. Well I'm and also like, because
0: yeah. I mean they they've everything they've done, they've just been chasing Marvel, yeah. unable to catch them. But this is an opportunity to to do them one better because mm. Marvel hasn't given us anything yet. You know, they're working on stuff but they haven't
2: so yeah who knows i mean guardians 2 was really good but yeah they're but but exactly no, like it's it an ensemble it was... piece no no whoa good no. okay. oh, okay. should... thing you brought I that fired. up at the end it was we okay, we should have <laughs> yeah because uh, yeah because my media is guardians of the galaxy 2 no uh <laughs> but but as a kind of funny story part of what told pulled me out of this media fatigue was listening to We're Not All Ninjas, uh, another podcast. I have a couple of friends on there. Oh,
0: and, yes, 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 yeah. Yeah.
2: Like I Like one. Like, I like them a lot, but specifically listening to their Guardians of the Galaxy 2 episode and hearing everyone kind of, like, going on more about, like, oh, you know, I don't know David Batista's work as a wrestler, but, like, I know this is what I looked up on Wikipedia, and this is great, and just, like, hearing, like, how much love they had for the project and how much love they had for, like... The fact that they're including so many uh, people of color, and yes, they're painting them blue, yes, they're painting them green, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, it's still like, we know who these people are outside Mm -hmm. of who they are in the thing Mm. and there is still some positivity in that and that really like energized me in a way that it was just like you know what I'm really glad that I'm I'm not back
0: I'm gonna go I haven't I haven't listened to that episode I'm totally gonna go and I have to say although I didn't like Guardians 2 the The casting and visual aspect of it, spot on. So I will definitely agree with that. But I'm going to go listen to that podcast. Yeah. Maybe I'll change my tune a little.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The other one that actually was on my mind was uh, It Follows. I finally sat down and watched it. And it is creepy as fuck. Mm. And it's so well done, because I, I was expecting, like, everybody's like, oh, it's about STDs, and it's about like, oh, it's, no, it's not. It's mm. really, like, they handle a lot of things that made me nervous mm. in extremely good ways. Oh, wow, good. And just really, like, the more analysis that I'm reading about it, like, it's a very smart movie as far as putting you at unease. Mm. So... If cool. you're looking for that, It Follows is on Netflix. If you're not, well, listen to our friends that We're Not All Ninjas. Take on Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy 2.
1: <laughs> Love it. Awesome. Amen.
2: Cool. Uh, any last words, anything else that you want to kind of get off your chest, uh, either about uh, the, the coming production that we're working on or just the idea of shit media fatigue before we get going? I don't know.
0: definitely won't get it from oddity
2: yeah i was just Oddity's gonna
0: say I, I
1: hope that the ship media guys and oddity is going it, it, but it's amazing it's good it's i'm really really excited about it i think we're all gonna be really proud of it i'm feeling really good about it
2: awesome all uh-huh. right thank you so much uh for coming thank you so much everybody for listening uh it's a little bit of an untraditional episode but i think it's uh i think it's good i think, I think it's, it's
1: helpful yeah awesome thank you thanks
2: guys
0: Is It Transphobic was produced, edited, and coordinated by Ashley Lauren Rogers.
1: The Is It Transphobic logo was created by Phoenix Sweeney, and you can see more of their work at tinylionroars.github.io. The original music you heard was all created by Vivian Aladrin, who you can find on Bandcamp at vivianaledrin.bandcamp.com.